Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So I have some funny uh, tweets to start with. These are people are sharing the most hilarious stories about what they were like when they were kids. So the first one, when I was 14, I decided to run for class president. The first line of my campaign speech was, as you all know, I'm a genius. (laughs) I received exactly one vote, mine. (laughs) Yeah, I guess don't start with uh, basically telling everyone you're smarter than they are. As you all know. (laughs) (laughs) When my seventh grade teacher asked After seeing me eat a piece of candy, if I had brought enough for the whole class, I triumphantly pulled two bags out of my backpack because I had anticipated this exact question. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) She was like, you motherfucker. (laughs) When I was in preschool, a boy told me I had to do all the cleaning when we were playing house because I was the girl and that was the girl's job. I promptly punched him in the face. (laughs) That's my kind of girl. (laughs) Yeah. I got kicked out of nursery school for fighting. The only punishment in school was the time out in a big overstuffed blue chair. You had to pick a book from the library and read until you were calm. I quickly figured out that if I punched another kid, I could go read. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Oh, you mean I get to go... Sit in a comfy chair by myself and read? Oh, my gosh. Pow! (laughs) (laughs) Who do I have to hit around here to get that jig? Jig. Gig. It's like a jigabyte. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next one. Kindergarten. We didn't have to nap, but we had to be still. I took a book to my mat. The teacher said I wasn't reading, so I read out loud. She said I shouldn't read because the other kids might feel bad because they couldn't. I said, it's not my fault they're dumb. (laughs) Principal's office. (laughs) Oops. Hey, they were quiet. (laughs) Uh, When I was learning to walk, my parents could not get me to walk on my own. I clearly could do it, but always held on to something, like a chair, the wall, a hand, etc. Finally, they figured out how to trick me into walking without support by giving me a spoon to hold. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) I packed my own backpack for a family trip. I was three. Who would let a three-year-old do that? Uh, No one checked to see what was in it until I had a full meltdown in the airport. They said, what do you have in here, rocks? Uh, Too late. Yes, it was my entire rock collection. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. In primary school, I was maybe nine or ten. We had to do solo talks, speeches, basically. I didn't know what to do mine on. My mom suggested Star Trek as I was a big fan, but I said no. They think I was too nerdy. Anyway, I did it on the Lord of the Rings. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's not nerdy at all. Not at all. (laughs) Uh, To catch out a teacher, I don't know what that means, I inserted a nursery rhyme lines dead center in the page of a history report. He gave me it back and asked if if my grade was based on content or formatting, 
He claimed content. I pointed to each page. He read the papers after that. Everyone's grades went up. Did that make sense to you? So he was trying to catch his teacher not grading their papers exactly. like he said he was. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Punk. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, shortly after being told I couldn't have one of my own, I was asked to help choose a Care Bear as a birthday gift for another kid. I chose the ugliest one <laughs> in, <laughs> in a fit of petty spite. Guess who the Care Bear turned out to actually be for? Aww, you got an ugly Care Bear. <laughs> and you picked it out. <laughs> They're probably like, oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Okay, when I was three, my mom tried for the second year to explain Santa to me. She deeply wanted me to believe in all the magic. I looked her dead in the eye and said, Dear, don't fly. Never bought it once. (laughs) Ooh, I hate to have a kid like that. Oh, I know. Man. Uh, In high school, we had to get into groups and create political parties we'd then vote for. I refused to work with anyone else, went off on my own, created what was basically a cult of a personality, gave a very cult leader-esque presentation, and got every single vote in the class. Oh my god. Wow. I always had a really hard time making friends, so I would spend my days after school riding my bike to the cemetery by my house and tidying up the graves. I memorized names and acted like they were my friends and family. Oh, that's sad. That is sad. You know, they're probably an introvert and having the best time. They probably are. So, good for you. I mean, it sounded like a good time to me. Yeah, I would like that. Just have your earbuds Until they in. said they pretended like they were their friends. Yeah. But. I, I, I could see myself doing that. Just be like, hey guys, how's it well, going? Well, yeah. But. <laughs> At the age of eight or nine, I built a radio station out of an old Roberts radio, an electronics kit, and the skeleton of an umbrella that I had covered in tinfoil i couldn't move my broadcast anywhere on the medium wave and used to read stories to people until the police came around (laughs) that's great uh grade nine if we were caught exchanging messages the english teacher would take it and read it out loud saying if you didn't want me to read it you shouldn't have passed it for two weeks my buddy and i used this class to learn uh acrylic C-Y-R-I-L-L-I-C. Hmm, I don't know. Some strange language, apparently, because it says the face she did at the first message. (laughs) (laughs) I attended a school meeting as a class rep with a piece of toilet paper, a piece of tracing paper, and a piece of baking paper, and asked the room if they could tell the difference between them. Our toilet paper got changed. (laughs) What? (laughs) i attended a school meeting as a class rep with a piece of toilet paper a piece of tracing paper and a piece of baking paper and asked the room if they could tell the difference between them our toilet paper got changed oh okay i get it holy shit that is awful that's bad (laughs) i was disruptive in kindergarten because i'd loudly point out any words our teacher skipped while reading picture books to us She maintained she was saving time. I still say it was a disservice to the other kids still learning to read and trying to follow along. (laughs) Age four, I went silent midday, a substitute preschool. I went silent midday, a substitute. (laughs) 
Okay, this doesn't make sense. It's not written right. It's not just me. Age four, I went silent midday, a substitute preschool teacher. That's the first sentence. I don't understand. I only spoke with her through other kids. They, they went silent with a preschool teacher one day, like midday. They just stopped talking to her. Okay. Uh, mom came to pick me up. Teacher told her something was wrong. My mom asked me what happened. I explained the sub had shortened my name without asking, so I iced her out. <laughs> hilarious oh my god age 13 ish i at a horrid family party too many people overall and i didn't like a lot of them i took as much as i could then glare whispered at my mother i'm running out of social skills she handed me her car keys told me to go read a book and we'd leave soon (laughs) oh my gosh that's me as an adult yep at eight my mom taught me how to sew I found a dead lizard, I proceeded to gut it, then stuff it with cotton, and sewed it back up, and proceeded to make a shirt, pants, and made made into a puppet, which I then disclosed to my parents at dinner time. Mm. Mom was more upset, I used her needle. <laughs> that is horrifying! Oh my god! That is. Ew. That thing had to have stunk. Ew. I was official scorekeeper for the breaking wind contest in my boys-only high school class. When a kid broke wind, all eyes would turn to me. I would nod and write his name in the notebook. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Four years old, parents wouldn't let me have a Christmas party. I went to daycare, drew up my own invitations, handed them out to the parents, heavily coordinated the BYO aspect with some bizarre requests to other parents, my parents had no idea until people turned up at our house. Oh my god, I would kill my kid. <laughs> and my last one had an argument with my grandfather over who was in charge when he was watching me. I was two or three at the time. To this day, I firmly believe I won because the minute you argue who's in charge with a toddler, it's definitely not you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And so true. Yes. <laughs> All right. I just did scary stories. Okay. Fresh out of nursing school, I got my first real job in a fairly large hospital in a department that I honestly never thought I would ever work in. It was a six-bed cardiac ICU with rooms that overlooked the city capitol building. It was a very nice unit, and I started out working 12-hour night shifts. The hospital I worked at had four other ICUs that were always full, so my unit always ended up being code re- code bed, meaning if someone was arrested or went downhill fast somewhere around the hospital, they came to us. I had been working there for a year, and I was no stranger to death. Each patient of mine who had died on my shift was usually already on their way out. Their families were by their side. The DNR order was signed. The funeral home was already picked out. It was rarely, rarely ever a surprise. In fact, the only time I was ever needed to do CPR on my shift, it was not even in my department. So I went on a nice long two-week vacation, got engaged, and had a beautiful tan. On my first night back, I received a report from the day charge nurse. She said she was off for a few days and suggested to remind the next day charge nurse that the priest was coming in the morning to bless room four. I thought she was kidding at first, but she was serious. Apparently, while I was on vacation, every patient who was admitted to that room had died, 
But this came as no shock to me. People died often in our department. And it being a very religious institution, having a chaplain for almost every department, I just shook it off. Then she said that room four was empty and that it would serve as code bed for the night. Around 2 a.m., I got a call saying that they have someone to fill our open bed. The ICU downstairs was now going to be code bed, so we were getting our run-of-the-mill chest pain, take-a-look-in-the-morning kind of patient. Nothing to get excited about. We got the patient admitted and all settled in room four. He was a gentleman about 50 or so years old, very pleasant. His wife was with him and she looked dead on her feet. I got her some warm blankets and took her to our waiting room that had cots so she could get some rest. Around 3.30, I was watching monitors and the camera in each room. All the patients were fast asleep. The cameras all cycled through about three seconds each on one small TV we had on the desk. Room one was fine. Room two was fine. Room three was fine. Room four, there was someone in there. It cycled too quickly for me to get a good look and the doors to the unit were locked. Maybe the other nurse let his wife back in. I walked down the hall and glanced inside. There was nobody. I shrugged it off. It was late. I was tired. I was probably just seeing things. I went back to the desk and continued watching the screen. Room one, room two, room three, room four. I was not imagining anything. There was someone in room four. The person was standing in the corner by the window. Their figure completely draped in shadow. I could not move my body. It cycled through again. This time it was closer to the patient's bed by maybe two or three feet. The hair stood straight up on my neck. The next time it cycled through, it was even closer. It stood in the light coming from the hallway, but despite the light, it was still shrouded in darkness. It cycled through again, and it was right next to the bed. My heart started pounding, and I could barely squeak to the nurse on the other end of the desk. As soon as my words formed and I was able to make some kind of noise to get her attention, the alarm on the monitor went off, signaling that the patient had cardiac arrested. The overhead system came on. A cart is needed in CCU room 4. People poured into the department, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, respiratory therapists. They all rushed into the room, but I couldn't move. It cycled through the rooms again. Room 4 came up, and this time the lights were on, and there were 10 to 15 people surrounding the bed, doing CPR and slamming meds into his IV. Someone went to get his wife from the waiting room, but there it was, in the opposite corner again, a dark figure watching this scene play out, just standing there. The man died of a heart attack. Room 4 was blessed that morning, right on schedule, and I put in my two weeks' notice. Oh my god. I got total chills. Yeah, that is creepy. That is creepy. So there was someone in the room, in the bed, like a patient. Yes. But there was someone else that she yes. saw too. Okay. That she could see on the monitor, but when she went yeah. to the room, she couldn't see oh my god. the person. That is, chills again. Yes. It was near the end of high school, 2006-ish, fall in northern Wisconsin, perfect stomping around town weather. One Friday after school, I was over at my on-off high school boyfriend Jay's house playing video games or whatever. Around 7 p.m., we typically would meet up with our whole crew at a local restaurant, but we still had several hours to kill. We were getting bored. Miss those days. (laughs) And it was so lovely out, so Jay suggested we go walk the train tracks on the west side of town. The town has been built up so much since then, but at the time, there was only a fleet farm and a small burger joint near the tracks, and that was about it. 
Miles of woods on either side surrounded the tracks. As it was perfect weather, and that doesn't last long in Wisconsin, I agreed, and we jumped in his car and drove across town. We parked his little car to the side of the burger joint. At this point, it's late afternoon, about dusk, sun about to set. We hop out of the car, walk about a block where the train tracks cross the street, hook a right down the tracks through the woods. That area didn't get as many trains going through as a different set of tracks in town, and there was also plenty of space to the left and right of the tracks into the woods if a train did approach. It seemed safe. You could see maybe a mile in each direction if a train was coming, and to either side, just tall pines. We're walking down, balancing on the tracks, talking shit, jumping over stuff, whatever, for maybe five to ten minutes. Up ahead of us, we could see a few boxcars off to the side of the tracks. This feels creepy, but it was normal. As we approached them, we could see there were two boxcars attached to each other, maybe another 10 to 20 feet, and then a single boxcar behind them. I got the heebie-jeebies as we approached the boxcars, but they were both shut. So as we peeked around on them, climbing up, etc., they were less menacing. Cool. Maybe we kept walking. Sun is now down and it's twilight. Quiet. We are both looking down as we walk past the boxcars, balancing and such. We get past them, maybe another length of a boxcar, when I just have this sense to look up. That's when I see it. I stop short. I swear the hair on my arm stood up, and suddenly I felt like a prey animal that had been spotted. Jay, what's that up there? There's someone on the tracks. He stopped and looked up. What looked like maybe half a mile to a mile down the tracks, standing directly in the middle of them, was the shape of a person, or what I thought was. But for how far away it is, the figure was unnaturally tall, standing stiff and still, arms at sides, with what looked like the shape of a bowler hat or something. Is a Slender Man? <laughs> I can still picture it. Now, Jay doesn't fuck around with ghost stories and alien tales. He's a non-believer, but he saw it too. Uh, we need to go, he said. He grabbed my hand and spinned me back to the direction we came from. We were walking very briskly, but if you have ever been on train tracks, you know it's all small rocks and pebbles, so it's a little rough. About a minute passed, my heart was pounding, and I looked back over my shoulders. This person, who was originally about a mile away, was so much closer. Oh my god. It's like he suddenly jumped half the distance between where he originally was to where we were. But still, the same sickeningly tall, featureless shadow with a hat, standing still, arms to side, stood in the middle of the tracks. Jay! I actually screamed, making him whip his head around. I've never seen this guy scared. He grabbed my hand tighter and broke off into a sprint. Jay is about six foot and I'm five four, oh so his stride is a bit longer than mine. <laughs> a couple years prior, I recovered from a fractured knee and femur, and it's common knowledge I cannot run. <laughs> If you've ever seen all the cartoons with someone running and the other person is kind of flapping behind the runner held by the hand, that's what I felt like. He took off. My legs moved, but my toes barely skimmed the tracks. We ran past the box cars off to the side, and as we're about to get past the two that are hooked together, I stole one more frantic look over my shoulder. There he was, one boxcar away. Oh my God. Same weird proportions, like a dark, opaque shadow. I swear my eyes bugged out of my head, and my body and adrenaline said GTFO. I forced my legs down and pushed my own damn self into a run. 
We plowed forward, no more glances back, hooked back into the street, and frantically fumbled our way back into his car, slamming and locking the doors behind us. I remember both of us sitting there, panting, staring forward for a good minute or two until snapping back to it with a what the fuck? (laughs) The sun went down and nothing could be seen toward the tracks. We went to our hangout with the crew at seven, chomping at the bit to tell everyone what happened. No one believed us or cared, really. I told my dad later on, and he says, So many people died building that railroad. It was probably a ghost. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Fast forward to maybe 2011-ish. I'm in college. Jay and I break up and don't keep in touch. I get a text from him out of the blue, a link to that Slenderman game. Oh, my God. I remember sitting in my dorm with a chill as I watched the preview and felt sick to my stomach. How he only moves toward you when you aren't looking and is freezing... It is frozen, staring at you when you look back. I read the Wikipedia page and Creepypasta and all that shit. I know all that stuff is made up, but the similarity to what we experienced freaks me out. Present day, I looked up the chunk of railroad where it went down in my hometown on Google Maps. It's much more developed with shopping and housing around, but there is still a little stretch surrounded by trees, which is the one we walked down. I'm going back for Thanksgiving and was thinking about taking a jaunt to the tracks, but reading all these spooky stories made me change my mind. (laughs) Just in case it is some entity, I don't want to take it back with me. No, that's creepy. (sighs) Anything where you look back and it's closer. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's like the first story. Every time it cycled through, the thing was a little bit closer to the bed. That just is so creepy. It's creepy. It really sounded like Slender Man, too. It did, except for the hat. Sometimes Slender Man has a hat. Does he? Sometimes, yeah. It sounded like the Hat Man to me. Oh, well, the tallness is what got me. Yeah. Because Slender Man's usually... But, like, Slender Man's not real, like she said. Yeah, it's... Like, what did they see? Unless that uh, Tulpas are real. Oh, yeah? With so many stories and people thinking about it and all this stuff that it somehow... We brought, everyone brought it to the real world somehow. I don't know. I think that happened with the rake. Yeah, that's another one. Because that one was totally fake in the beginning too. Yeah. But now you hear stories from all over about seeing something that sounds exactly like that. Creepy. Especially people like that. They were just taking a walk. Yeah. Like they weren't, look, you know, out looking for anything paranormal. Yeah, exactly. That's so creepy. Just over 10 years ago, I was fresh out of college and had moved back to my parents' house for the free rent slash food for nine months before I was leaving the state for graduate school. To earn some scratch, I took a part-time gig doing some light bookkeeping for a small business owner guy that my dad knew. They had a business where you could rent low-level farm equipment, a small mom-and-pop type thing in the sticks. Since they knew my family, they trusted me to go in there for about 15 to 20 hours a week and check and and file the rental forms, make sure nobody missed a payment date, answer answer an email or two discussing prices, availability, etc. Super super easy gig. (laughs) (laughs) The old building where I worked was about 90 years old and at the top of this little hill. The downstairs used to be an old country bar until the 1970s. 
I could work any hours I wanted to as long as the work got done. So I'd usually go in after 7 p.m. and stay until around midnight or 1 a.m. since I knew I'd be alone and could listen to music loud and take my time. The office was on the second floor of the building and looked out onto the long driveway. One night during winter, it had snowed a few inches, but I was desperate to get out of the house, so I went into work at about 8 p.m. I always left the gate open at the bottom of the hill, since, believe me when I say that, nobody ever showed up at night. We were literally in the middle of nowhere. To even turn onto our short road, you had to only be coming to our specific building and know it was there beforehand. So I was jamming away to some Fallout Boy. Everyone makes mistakes when they're young. (laughs) And having some coffee. And I kept glancing at the snow outside as I worked, since one, since our one orange street light reflected onto the ground at the gate and was causing the light to shine off the snow in a really cool, dare I say, beautiful way. Around midnight, I went downstairs to do my bathroom business, then came back upstairs and got settled back into my work. I probably did about five minutes of work when I glanced outside and saw a huge imprint of something in the fresh snow just below the orange light. It seemed like a huge dog or substantial animal had just rolled around on the ground there on its back or something. Since I didn't notice it just 15 minutes before, it had to have happened while I was in the bathroom. I shook it off and assumed an animal was attracted to the light or something. At around 2 a.m., I was leaving and got out of my car to lock the gate, and to be honest, I had pretty much forgotten about the imprint in the snow. But when I looked down, I was shocked to see that it wasn't just some disturbed snow, but it was undeniably the imprint of a human-made snow angel. What? I used to make snow angels when I was a kid, and they are also very recognizable, so I 100% knew for sure that's what this, this was. And it was deliberately made underneath the light post. But it wasn't from a kid. It was from a very large person. And I already knew... Whoever had made this snow angel could easily have looked up and have seen me through that window, so they must have waited for me to head downstairs to the bathroom to make this angel. No cars had pulled up to our building. I would have seen or heard them even from the bathroom. So I glanced around for footprints in the snow and saw that there was one set that led to the nearby woods to the right of the building. It was clear the person didn't use the road, but instead came from the opposite side, which instantly made me uneasy, since that side was just trees and darkness for miles and miles. By now, I was freaking out and trying to get back in my SUV. And that's when I heard it. Before I could get inside, I heard a loud, high-pitched laughing coming from the woods. It almost sounded like a fake laugh, like the witch in The Wizard of Oz, like someone was doing it fake on purpose. It was close enough that I knew they could see me, but I couldn't see them at all, since other than the streetlight I was under... There was no illumination. After a few seconds of laughing, they stopped, and then it was just silence everywhere, except for my heart beating through my ears. Then the laughing started again, though louder this time, more like screaming and laughing combined. I sort of froze for like five seconds, listening in a panic. Now I spent a lot of time in that area, and I know, and I know what coyotes and foxes sound like at night with their high-pitched screeches during mating season. But this was very human. It felt like it was an adult man trying to emulate a woman laughing. Like someone was deliberately trying to make a fake scary shriek laugh in order to scare someone. Well, it fucking worked. 
After five seconds, I immediately filled up with adrenaline, got in my car, and drove the hell away from there as fast as I could without sliding off the road. I worked there for another six weeks or so and never had a single issue, though I knew where my boss kept his gun, and I always made sure it was there when I started my shift. And I certainly always locked the gate from then on. Oh my God, that story was so crazy. It was creepy. I, I went like... So first I thought it was kind of funny that someone laid down and made a yeah. sky angel. Then I th- then you said there was like a um, footprints leading. And I was like, okay, well, someone made a snow angel. Then they creepy laughed. Yeah. That creeped me out. That is That was crazy. That, and especially since they were literally out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That is creepy as fuck. It is very creepy. Just the act of doing a snow angel. That's creepy. I thought that was hilarious, personally, because, you know, like, who does that? I thought they, they were like, they saw the lights on in the office, and they were like, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess with this person. Uh, so I kind of thought that was funny. Yeah. But then the laughing and the, mm, that is creepy. Yeah, that whole thing was yeah. just It crazy. was weird. It was very weird. That was a good one. I liked it. I went to a small college for women tucked away in a quaint New England town. In my second year, I was lucky to get a spot in one of the oldest dorms on campus, a stone building that students called the castle, covered in gargoyles and ivy and twisting turrets. That sounds awesome. (laughs) It does. It was built in the early 1800s. The rooms themselves had been modernized, but it still felt like living in in a gothic fever dream. As a 19-year-old romantic, I absolutely loved it. I was surprised to get a room in the castle. When it was my turn to pick, and I saw that room available, I thought I had really lucked out. It was the smallest room in the building, but I still grabbed it without hesitating. I moved in the following September, and things were going great, at first. I loved my classes, and I had made good friends in my first year, but within a few weeks, I couldn't shake the feeling that my life was on a downward spiral. Sometimes I sat in my room and just cried for no reason. I thought about how hopeless my life was, that I was never going to make anything of myself. Part of me knew that none of this made any sense. It was a str- I was a straight-A student at a good college, had family and friends that supported me, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was doomed. Whenever I went to class or hung out with friends on campus, I felt better, but every night when I got back to my room, the sadness would eat away at me. Soon I became convinced that my outside life was just distracting me from the true hopelessness of my situation. I began turning down my friends' invitations just to stay in my room and cry. I skipped class to sleep. I was in so much mental pain. I even started to self-harm by cutting. I had never done this before. It may sound hard to believe, but when I was in this room, there was no way to convince me that my feelings of hopelessness weren't valid. I was doomed. I knew it to the depths of my soul. My friends noticed how bad things had gotten and gently suggested that I should visit counseling services. I refused, until one day something happened that convinced me to get help. I was sitting on the bed in my dorm room trying to study. Instead, I couldn't stop crying. The pain inside of me was so great I was tempted to self-harm by cutting just to make the inner turmoil stop for a moment. I closed my eyes and suddenly, with great clarity, saw a girl sitting on the bed in front of me. She had brown hair that hung to her waist, and she was looking down at something, so I couldn't see her face. Then her eyes shot up toward me. She was crying and snarling all at once, the nastiest face I'd ever seen on a human. 
Her arms were covered in blood. I had an overpowering feeling that she wanted me dead. I opened my eyes and sprang out of bed. A heavy mood hung over the room. The bed was empty, but I could tell she was still there. I had never believed in demons or evil spirits, but this was a feeling of absolute hatred that I can only describe as pure evil. I left my room and went to the RA. Suddenly, I knew that I had to talk about how I'd been feeling. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. I told my RA about the depression and hopelessness and self-harm. Talking to someone lifted a weight that I hadn't even realized I was carrying, but I didn't mention the ghost girl on my bed. When I stopped talking, I expected the RA to send me straight for counseling, which I did end up doing eventually. Instead, she asked if I knew about the history of that room. She didn't want to scare me by telling me before, but given what was happening, I had a right to know. Way back in the early 1800s, the college had a program for students from low-income families. They could attend the college for free, but they had to work as servants to the richer kids. That's bullshit. Yeah, it is. My room was reserved for students in this program. One year, the girl who lived there was relentlessly bullied by her richer classmates, whom she was forced to serve as a maid. The stress got to be too much, and she flunked out of her classes. When the college asked her to withdraw, she slit her wrists in her dorm room bed, dying by suicide. I stayed with a friend until student life could find me another room. As soon as I left, the depression lifted, and to this day, I'm convinced that I had stayed, that if I had stayed, I would not have made it out alive. Sounds like it. That's crazy. That is. Holy shit. And those were my stories. All right, I just have some creepy stories, too. I like creepy stories. <laughs> First one, I was walking home from the movie theater with a friend of mine. It was about 8 p.m., and the walk took us down some major roads that and through suburbs. 45-minute walk through residential and commercial areas. We saw absolutely nobody. The whole walk, we saw no cars, no people, nothing. Well, not quite nothing. We did see the creepiest fucking shit ever. An ambulance parked outside of a house, lights on, doors open, no paramedics to be seen, just sitting there in silence. The whole thing was like a goddamn zombie apocalypse. It was insane. To this day, I have no idea what was going on. Wait, what, what time of day was it, did it say? 8 p.m. And there was nobody around the ambulance or nothing? That's what they said. That's no cars, weird. no nothing. That's weird. Yeah. Next one, I have a large floor-to-ceiling wall-to-wall window in my office that overlooks an intersection. It's one of the busiest intersections in my city, and because of the layout of this intersection, it's plagued by traffic shenanigans all year long. Shenanigans being crashes, fender benders, police traffic stops, people not paying attention to the right turn only, and ignoring the no left turn here. One day, I see a dude fall into the road as he approached the intersection on his bike and get hit by a car. The car was going maybe 20 to 25 miles an hour. I happened to be looking out and saw what happened. I'm only on the third floor, so I ran downstairs to help the guy. It was only 20 feet from the building and just to be his witness. I get down there and the biker, his bike, and the car were gone. I asked pedestrians if they saw anything, but nobody did. It was strange and I could think about it now, even a couple of years later. I could only assume that the car ran or maybe they took him to the hospital, but so quickly. It took me 20 to 30 seconds to get downstairs and they were gone. Ooh, that's weird. It is weird. 
Next one, one time when I was maybe 14, I'm 24 now for reference, I was standing in my driveway swinging a stick around. It was nighttime. I think I was waiting for my parents to come out since we were going out to dinner. Anyway, I ran... I randomly pointed the stick at the sky, and the star I pointed at got bigger and brighter and brighter, until it was maybe four to five times brighter than any other star, then just rapidly faded out. My only guess is that the meteorite entered the atmosphere and I just so happened to be headed straight for me and burned up before I got too close. But it was very strange. I've never seen anything like it again. For all I knew, I blew a star up. <laughs> Uh, that'd be one hell of a fast explosion, though. Supernovas usually last days, if not weeks, and are much, much brighter than whatever it was I saw. Before anyone asks, yes, I tried pointing to the sky again. No further potential civilizations exist at my hand. Stupid stick must have had only the one charge. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird, though. Yeah, it is. Uh, next one, maybe not supernatural, but I used to work at Walgreens. On an average day working in the cash register, I see a tall, black, skinny man walk toward me. His back was bent back, walking like a creature from a B-movie. His eyes were bloodshot red. He had no teeth. He was wearing pants as a shirt. What? A rag covering his genitals, barefoot, and smelling like shit. We never deny service to homeless people, but this was something else. He brings up a four-pack of natural ice to the counter. His hands were crazy twisted. I scan the beers and put them in a bag. I tell him that's three forty-nine, sir, and he proceeds to shout at me and starts waving his hands trying to reach his back. His screech sounded like he was in agony. He reaches back to his ass and pulls out a five-dollar bill covered in shit. Mm. In shit. Mm. This is important later. Oh, <laughs> I <laughs> I act as politely as I can, take the bill, and before I can give him his change, he runs away with his four-pack. I can't find a reason for him to run away. I was literally going to give him his change, but as soon as he walks out, he opens one of the beers and downs it in two chugs. The next one as well, and the next one, and the last one. He proceeds to scream and run around outside the store harassing customers. I call my manager, and he calls the cops. Walks outside, meanwhile, to scare the poor guy away. The guy proceeds to take his quote-unquote shirt off and starts banging it on the floor, shouting. Moments later, the cops show up and try to cuff him. He's obviously resisting. To say it was brutal would be an understatement. He got shoved in the back of the cop car and started screeching like a mating cat. He was not having it. He was a true warrior, but seconds before finally getting the door closed, he gives me the dirtiest look I've ever gotten, a look that said, this is your fault and I will find you. All of this happened while Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus was playing in the background. <laughs> Fast forward, I asked my manager what to do with the bill. He says, money's money, keep it in the register. Ew. The stench was awful for both me and customers. I decided I'd had enough and handed it as change to a cool dude who had no problem with it. Ew. <laughs> the next... The next day, a customer pays me with the same bill. I tried so many times to get rid of that bill, but it always kept coming back. Always. One day, I said, fuck it, and took it and threw it in the trash compactor, never to be seen again. I swear his screech still haunts me to this day, two years later. I can't explain it. This is what happens in South Florida. That is gross. Oh, that is my God. That is the grossest story. That is disgusting. 
Just put it in the drawer. Def- Fuck you. Definitely not supernatural. I quit. Those drugs. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, not me, but my dad threw bags at United in Chicago for 20 years. He was at, at Gate C-17 during the famous UFO incident and said, without a doubt, it was a UFO. He and everyone else, to include pilots, were pulled in by a bunch of suits and, and told not to speak of it or they would be fired. Holy shit. Where was that at? Um, United? United in Chicago. Chicago. What what incident are they talking I don't know. About? We need to look that up. It says Gate C-17 Chicago incident. UFO incident. Oh, wait. Here's the Wikipedia page. They've... 2006 O'Hare International Airport UFO sighting. The Chicago O'Hare UFO sighting occurred on November 7, 2006, around 4.15 p.m., when 12 United Airline employees and a few witnesses outside O'Hare International Airport reported a sudden UFO sighting. The Federal Aviation Administration refused to investigate the matter because this unidentified flying object was not seen on radar. Instead, they were calling it a weather phenomenon. Whatever. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Hmm. Okay, next one. I was at a hotel pool. There was a mother there with two kids. I'm assuming she was the mother. They called her mom. And the kids looked stereotypically Latin American, and the mother looked stereotypically European. Anyway, whenever, whatever they actually were, they looked different from their mother. The kids spoke perfect English with no accent, and the mom, when she talked to the other women she was with, maybe a grandma or something, she spoke perfect perfect English with no accent. But when the mom would address the children in any way, she would do it in all seriousness, not in a joking manner, but with a really bad fake Mexican accent. I have no idea what was going on there, but I watched this go on for like two hours until they left the pool. I was baffled. People confuse me sometimes, but this was a whole nother level of what the fuck. That's weird. That is weird. I never understand why people pretend to have accents. I know. And people do it a lot. I don't understand that. Uh, When I was younger, elementary school, some days I would come home from school and see the shadow of a man in my window, in the window of my house. Sometimes I would just notice him in passing. Other times I would only see him when I got close and would jump back. Every time I tried to see him again, he would be gone. Now, I don't come home at the same time, so I haven't seen him in about a year, but if I'm home at around 3 p.m., my dog will usually start barking at the window for no reason. I don't know why I could only see him when I came home at 3 p.m. from outside the house, but it's what happened. Uh, There's nothing in the window tall enough to make a shadow that I saw, and no one was home most of the time when it happened. Hmm. That's weird. That is weird. Uh, When I was little, I got in trouble. My mom used to make me go upstairs and look out the bathroom window. There was a cow on our roof, and it really scared me. I remember being threatened with this punishment. What? What the hell? Okay. (laughs) That's what it says, I swear. When I was a little kid, I got in trouble. My mom used to make me go upstairs and look out the bathroom window. There was a cow on our roof, and it really scared me. I remember being threatened with this punishment. Do I need to take you to see the cow on the roof? Honestly, it was terrifying. 
and I can still see the image of the cow looking in at me through the window. The problem is there's no way a cow would be on our roof. Also, I have tried finding images out, uh, online of a cow that looked like this one, and it doesn't seem to exist. The best way I can describe its coat is calico. There were big black patches of fur over each eye, kind of how a killer whale appears to have much larger eyes than it really does due to the skin color. Of course, no one in my family knows what I'm talking about, but I vividly remember this happening on more than one occasion. That is weird. What? What? (laughs) That is so weird. And my last one. When I was 12, I was helping out at a local dairy farm. One of the heifers was acting weirdly. It was stumbling, and its eyes showed white all around as though it were terrified. It was stumbling around the corner of the barn, so I followed it, and around the corner stood a middle-aged woman in a gray uniform with heavy-looking dark brown uh, leather boxes sewn to the upper sleeves. What? Of her uniform, there were boxes on her sleeves? Uh, She was silently sobbing, and it looked like she was bleeding from one corner of her mouth. She was holding a small clear thing that looked like a handle. Uh, It had notches for the fingers, or for something bigger. She looked up and saw me, made a perfect O with her mouth, and winked out of existence. I ran to get one of the workers and half-dragged him back to the spot. There were smallish boot prints in the muck leading along the side of the barn. A bigger... A deeper impression where she had been standing, but no prints of her walking away. The worker mocked me for the rest of the summer for running to show me nothing. (laughs) Oh, right. That's weird. That is weird. Those are mine. It's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up! Filled out the paperwork for my daughter's first passport and under employment was told to write unemployed baby. What? (laughs) Unemployed baby. (laughs) Are there employed babies? Uh, I really doubt it. Well, actually, there probably are some. Actors? Yeah. (laughs) Of course, how can a baby really act? But, you know. Well... I mean, employed really doesn't mean you do anything (laughs) for some people. That's true. That's very true. My daughter forgot her Stanley at home today. Please pray for her hydration as she braves the barren water fountain lined halls of middle school without it. Oh my God. It's terrible. You know, she had a fucking meltdown. Another mom at preschool drop-off was like, you look so grown up, and was like, me? Thanks. I just straightened my hair today. And she was like, no, I was talking to your son. And now I guess I can never go back to preschool pickup ever again. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, honey, you are a grown-up. Doesn't matter if you straighten your hair or not. <laughs> My seven-year-old, Mom, were you alive in the 1000s? What? Me, what? Seven-year-old, the 1000s. Me, dawning realization. (laughs) Yes, yes, I was born in the 1000s. In the 1000s? In the 1980s. Seven-year-old, whoa! (laughs) That 
is. I'm. We've had this conversation before. <laughs> I can see how that would be fucking crazy to a child. Yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah, I was born in the early 1980s. That seems so long ago. Imagine being the 1970s. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that, that I could tell, or I could see how a little kid would. Yeah. That's hilarious. My little girl has named one of her stuffed animals Jazz Monkey. I asked her if she knew what jazz was. She said, sure. It's when you go skippity bop, skippity boo. I told her, you are absolutely right. Fuck yeah, she is. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I asked my 14-year-old what an expression she used wait i asked my 14 year old what an expression she used meant and she started to tell me but then stopped and exasperatedly <laughs> said is that how you say that exasper that's probably how they spell it i don't know mm. i know what you mean though anyway said uh, this is like explaining the world to a pilgrim <laughs> That's funny. That was a weird one. <laughs> on this frigid and snowy day, I am thinking about how on bad weather days when I was a child, my dad would sometimes take us kids out to a local museum or to walk around a mall. And how back then I would feel bad for my mom who was home all alone without her five loud children. Aw, poor mom. <laughs> Not. She's having the time of her life. Oh, yeah. She probably loved. 100%. Loved snow days. <laughs> More than the kids. Hell yeah. <laughs> One thing about parenthood that nobody prepared me for was how stressed I'd get watching my kid mix two freshly opened cans of Play Doh together. Oh, God. No, that's not the part that gets you. It's when they leave it out. Oh. And then they get mad at you when you throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> course they do <laughs> my sister-in-law i think i would love being a dog my nine-year-old whispering to me you should tell her tell her our dog spends all day licking his butt <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> do you want to be a dog now <laughs> That's a great comeback. That's that is, great. That is. <laughs> Seven-year-old, are eggs vegetables? Ten-year-old, no. And they're not fruit either. They're children. <laughs> they're not wrong. <laughs> Technically, they're not. They're not wrong at all. Man, going back to the one before that, every morning when my dogs are like laid out all over my bed and I'm fucking getting ready to go to work and I'm like god damn it I wish I was them I'm gonna rethink that now. yeah yeah <laughs> rethink that wish that's so funny <laughs> when my son was a newborn we went out to dinner and a woman stopped at our table all excited and said I wasn't going to have kids because I didn't think I'd be able to go out but you guys are out with your baby, so maybe I will. And I sure hope she gave that some more thought. I hope so. Oh my gosh. Why do people think babies are, like, evil or something? I don't know. What is up with that? I don't know. Like, you can't take them anywhere? Yeah. No, you can't. They're, they're people. They're we people. took Peyton everywhere. Yeah, they're... Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, that's... 
I don't understand. I remember that back then was I loved to go shopping at Target. Mm. And I remember who the fuck knew where Eric was. But uh, I would have Peyton with me. And he was so little that I would lay him in the in the oh yeah in the, the seat, little yeah where, seat thing yeah. but i would lay him you know yeah lengthwise in the seat <laughs> and just go shopping <laughs> i was having a blast oh <laughs> tiny peyton yeah not so tiny mm, anymore no he's taller than both of us yeah <laughs> a step-by-step guide to helping me in the kitchen number one leave the kitchen <laughs> that's my kind of plan yeah Having kids involved in sports is fun if you like coming home and eating dinner at 10 p.m. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's so busy. You get so busy. Oh, I know. When your kids do shit like yeah. that. Child petting the dog. When animals die, do their spirits stay with us? Me. I'd like to think so. Child. So that means right now we could be surrounded by spider ghosts? <laughs> Me. Jesus Christ. Damn, kids. <laughs> How to go from a thinking about or talking about a dog to spiders? Well, they must have killed a lot of spiders. Ooh, I wonder if that's true. Yeah. Yuck! They're crawling all over us right now. What about the spiders that were here before we moved in? What about those spiders? Are they still here? Yeah. Yikes! Picking an easy hike because of the kids. Me. What was that? It. Yeah. Oh. basically meant they were picking an easy hike for themselves yes not I because it. of the kids it's all for the kids that's right that's what we say uh, anyway. yes <laughs> our six-year-old daughter has asked for just some extra sleep for her birthday oh they my grow God. up so fast <laughs> they do <laughs> first you can't get them to sleep yeah like ever ever then you can't get them to wake the fuck up yeah. I know, my daughter comes out of her room at like 2.30 in the <laughs> afternoon. She's like, morning. I'm like, what? <laughs> I've been up for 10 hours. <laughs> Dinner every night with my kids is like being a contestant on the Iron Chef. We bring the plates of food to three picky judges, and they pick it apart with their words and forks for the next 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. My newborn has the nerve to act like he's starving after spitting up the entirety of his stomach contents on my clean sweater. How dare he? Rude. (laughs) My mom. Your kids need to eat more fruit. Also, my mom. Fruits have too much sugar. (laughs) Well, she's not wrong. (laughs) I woke up and went back to sleep. I woke up again, then went back to sleep. Then I woke up and went back to sleep. I woke up again, then went back to sleep, and then I woke up again and went back to sleep, and I woke up again, and now I can't sleep. My six-year-old. Oh, my God. At 3.53 a.m. No. Is it better or worse than french fries, my kid, keeping impossibly high taste standards for new food? (laughs) Is it better or worse than french fries? That's funny. And my last one. My favorite part about talking to my teens is when they give me direct eye contact, listen intently, nod understandingly, and then take out their AirPods when I finish and say, huh? (laughs) 
How many times has that happened? <laughs> oh my god. Fucking kids and their technology. Oh, I know. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, send in your stories. We need them. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen, and we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.